This is one of the most powerful, most accurate depiction of biblical account of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is the most important next to the conception, his miraculous conception and his miraculous birth. And I want us to wrap ourselves around, I want us to wrap our minds around what actually happened here because some of us could be a little bit confused of all the characters that were involved and why these different parties, these different groups of people had vested interests on his death and his resurrection. What's so important about this man's body? What's so important about his body that everyone went out looking for him? What's so important and what's the significance of his death? What's the significance of his body being lost and, and they have they looked so hard to find his body? These three groups of people that you saw here were none other than the Romans, the Jewish leaders, and the disciples. What was the significance of the death and the resurrection of Jesus to the Romans? You must understand the Roman Empire was a powerful empire, but they were not a secular state. They were not a secular government in that sense that they just ruled with political and law and order. It was very well mingled with their religion as well. And so for someone to proclaim that he is the king of the Jews was a threat to the government. Just like how in our nation, some years ago, we had this ISA, correct? Yeah, we had ISA. When ISA knows and finds out that there is someone who is a national threat, national, a threat to the national security, what will they do? They will go out and arrest that person. So this seemed and deemed to be a threat. Jesus was a threat to the Roman Empire. So the Romans were threatened and wanted to make sure that the position of, of the emperor was not challenged. Can you imagine someone else proclaiming themselves to be king? Someone else proclaiming themselves to be more powerful. That would cause an uproar. So to prevent this uproar from happening, they wanted to make sure it will not happen at all. So killing Jesus was something that was important to the Romans. His death was important. Then the second group of people that you saw were the Jewish leaders. Caiaphas was the high priest at that point of time. They had vested interests because the Jewish leaders and the Jews had a special relationship even with the government. They had their ways and their practices. They were respected as the leaders, the Jewish leaders amongst the people to keep order and so that, you know, there will be, no, there will be peace, so to speak. So now these Jewish leaders were upset with Jesus because of the many things that he claimed to be. He claimed to be the Son of God. Well, the Jewish leaders definitely knew about the prophecies of a coming of a Messiah, a Savior that would come, that would overthrow the Roman Empire and become the King of Israel. So these Jewish leaders were very clear and they knew this Messiah was coming. But now... This man claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, but he didn't fit the mold. In their mind, the Messiah should come in glorious power. But yet, he came like a common man. No fanfare, no lightning, no thunder, no white horse. He came like a normal person. 
So they could not accept that this could be the Messiah. They could not accept that it was challenging their religious ways of life as well. The Jews had a set of do's and don'ts. They followed the law to the T. And yet Jesus came and many things that he did were so radical that they could not accept it and they could not believe it for themselves. He performed miracles, signs and wonders which made these Jewish leaders look so powerless. They were religious but yet they were powerless. So to kill him and to make sure that he doesn't rise again, they were protecting their position as religious leaders of that time. So you understand now why the Romans want to get rid of him, why the Jewish leaders were so threatened by his position, right? They were so threatened by his position, they were so threatened that in three days, what if, what if, you know, he really was, he prophesied that he would rise again in three days. And now the disciples are going to steal his body away. And it's all going to seem like it's real. And now they, nobody's going to believe in our teaching, in our rule, in, our, in our, the way we run things. So it was a threat to them. And therefore, they needed to make sure he dies and the resurrection was not going to happen in that sense. And the third group of people that we saw were the disciples. The disciples had a vested interest in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. How many of us like to follow a leader or follow a teaching only to find out after many years that it was all fake? How many of us like to do that? I don't think anyone would want to be taken to be a fool. Following, 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 listen to him for that three years, abandoning all that they used to do just to follow after him, listen to his teaching, follow his ways. And if all that he has taught them, all that he has said were just fake things, it would have all been in vain. So it was very important for them to see that truly Jesus is what he says, who he says he is. And Jesus will do what he said he would do. So his death, he predicted it. He predicted that he would suffer and die. And then on the third day, he would rise again. And that happened. They saw his death on the cross. They saw that this was the fulfillment of what God had to do so that we can be reconciled to God. They saw the sacrifice that he made. He told them this had to happen so that all our sins can be taken away from each and every one of us. This was the only way that as long he had to be the sacrificial lamb to reconcile man with God. And when the resurrection really happened, it proved to them they were not crazy. It proved to them that Jesus was really God. It proved to them that everything that God said he was, he was. It proved to them and it validated everything that he claimed to be, everything that he said was true. And they saw it when he resurrected and appeared to them. So all these three groups had vested interests. Remember the Romans, the Jewish leaders, and the disciples. In fact, the disciples knew this and it was quoted in Paul. Paul's writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. They knew how important 
the resurrection was. It says here, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all our preaching is useless and so is our faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He is raised, has He raised Christ from the dead, but He did not raise Him in the fact, the fact that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. My friends, if Jesus was not alive today, And if he was just another common human being, what you and I believe, what I believe is all in vain, is futile. But it's because I know that I know that I know that my God is alive and he is alive forevermore. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah! I believe in a God that is living. He's not just a man that I'm following blindly. He's not just a fable that I read about, a folklore that I, I hear about. He is a God that is alive. It is it, the, the story here that you saw today, the movie that you saw today, the things that had gone on, the biblical accounts that, that showed that he appeared to 500 over people after his death, upon his resurrection. In that through the 40 days that he was around, he appeared to 500 over people and they attest that they saw him alive before His ascension. But now having established what these three groups were, I want us to focus on this last part. And I've entitled this last part, In the Room. In the Room. Perhaps the most powerful part of the movie was in the room. How many of you know that being in the right place at the right time is very important? Yeah? Being the right place at the right time is very important. Some of you have gotten, um, you know, favours because you were at the right place at the right time. Whether it's your workplace, whether it's in, in, in perhaps even sometimes in the shopping mall, you know, as you walk past, then somebody stops you. Sir, sir, you know, can, you know, I, I, you know we have a doing this, this, this draw, you know, and, uh, and you are so happy you walked here and walked here and then I, I, and I caught you and can you just give us your name? And then they say, oh, okay, and you have won 2,000 ringgit. Wow. Being at the right place at the right time is very, very important. Now, I want you to see something. If you notice in that show just now, it was in the room where one of the disciples ran in and Jesus showed him his scars on his hands and the scar on his body and the wounds on his body. He was none other than the disciple Thomas. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, he says this, because a week prior to that, Jesus appeared to the disciples in the room, but Thomas was not there in the room. A week later, they were gathered in the room. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came a week earlier. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but 
He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And it says, goes on, it says, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It was in the room, whatever doubt that Thomas had, that Jesus had risen from the dead, had all been dispelled. Everything melted away in the room. It was also in the room when Clavius, the tribune that was sent from Rome to, pr to prove, or rather to disprove the resurrection of Jesus, he walked into the room and he saw the very presence of God in the room. He was right there in the room. Friends, today, Jesus is in the room. You may not see him physically, but the Lord says he is spirit and his presence is right here. And the Bible tells us when two or three are gathered in his name, there his presence will be. He's right here in the room. You're not here by chance or by coincidence. You're not here because just simply because you agreed to come, I believe you came here and this is your opportune moment for you to encounter God for yourself in the room. Perhaps you are like the Romans. This is the very first time you're hearing about the story of Jesus his death on the cross, the love of God that loved us so much that drove him all the way to the cross to be, to be nailed on the cross, to be whipped, to be wounded, just so that we can be reconciled back with God. Perhaps this is your first time hearing this and you still have a lot of questions. Why? What happened? What happened? You may not, may, you may not have all the answers I don't have all the answers. Or perhaps you could be like the Jewish leaders. Some of us grew up in Christian families. But I want you to understand that He desires for us to have a personal relationship with Him. Not one of our parents or our grandparents. It's not a set of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship with a true and living God who loves you, who wants to lead you, who wants to let you hear His voice from His heart to your heart. Or perhaps you could be like a disciple. There was upon a time you followed after, you followed after Him. But some things happened. The disciples were afraid. They were doubtful. Was Jesus really real? 
if he was really God, why didn't he just come down from the cross? Why didn't he just escape? Perhaps you have gone through some things in your life as well. And you say, if God is so good, then why did He allow these things to happen? If God is so good, why did He allow my child to die? If God is so good, why did He allow my spouse to walk out? If God is so good, then why did I get sick? I don't have all the answers. But all I can say to you, God is incapable of evil. And as long as we're on this imperfect world, He will always, there will always be suffering, there will always be pain, there will always be sin. But he, because of His death and His resurrection, He promises life eternal. This is not an eternal home. We are temporarily here. And when it's time for us to breathe our last, our spirit returns back to Him for those of us who believe. Come back to Him. Tonight, He is in the room. And you are in the room not by chance. You are in the room because he, beat, he bids you to come. He bids you to come to Him. In all the doubts and uncertainties, in all the just the religious doings, and even in moments where yes, as a believer sometimes it's hard to hold on to faith. God says, come. He went on the cross for us. He rose again to tell us there's victory and there is power in His name. Whatever you're going through, God is able to walk and journey this life with you, carrying you through and helping you every step of the way, guiding your steps, giving you grace, turning your nightmares into stories of strength and of courage.